2: Jeff. Yep. Hello. Hey, Jeff. Eric Fate, how you doing? I'm doing well. Hang uh, on a second. There you go. Hey, can you see me? I can see you just fine. E- Excellent. Well, um, play around with this a little bit. I can't see you. I see your image, a picture of you, but uh, get it all straightened out here. I had this problem with uh, I think when I called someone the other day. Hey there we go. Hey, look at you. You look all yeah, sc- you look very scholarly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, there we go. Right. Excellent. Excellent. So how you been? Uh, good. Good. Uh, working on, you know, that hip of mine and, uh, Yeah, how's that going? Right, right. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but, uh, back riding
0: and, uh, back in, uh, you know, back in the gym doing, uh, my usual stuff. i doing kind of this, uh, last week or so, kind of shifted over, uh, been attending more, uh, Pilates class. Oh, have you?
2: Oh definitely. Getting strengthening up the, uh, the surrounding musculature would be good. Yep. good at my age anyway. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever do you uh do you ever do any yoga too or just the pilates? Yeah, I I haven't really pilates is kind of a new thing. And, yeah. uh, and so uh I'm kind of checking this out uh for, you know, just I'll, I'll do it for maybe about the next 6 weeks. <laughs> See what um, you think, right? I, I <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I will admit, my back um, the next day feels a lot better. Um, uh, you know, so I, I, I think it's a good thing. Good, excellent. Yeah, I've I've never tried. I've I've know a lot of people who love it and they swear by it. But it's kind of the same with yoga. You know, I I try I do it every now and then too. And you know, it's not the same as uh, you know hitting the weights, but it, it works a lot of good muscles. You feel it, and it's like you said, it's good for you, especially as we get older. You got to keep those joints loose and limber. Oh really? <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: There's yeah. Three, three guys in there. Right. But they, you know, they have a, a standing up uh, you know, doing
0: one-legged overhead presses where you're standing on a, a uh, like a foam yoga block that
2: uh puts you off balance. You're not on steady. Right. And you know, you're up on one leg and you'd be surprised what trying to press, you know, 10 lb dumbbells in that form. Is. Oh, so, I, I'm sure. You, Oh really? Wow. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, it's all about tailoring the needs analysis to, yeah. uh, you know, what you're doing to your own needs analysis. Right. Right. Excellent. Excellent. Well, good. Why, well, I, I, uh, I appreciate you coming on. I, uh, I'll have to talk to you more, but this, i um, you know, um, I'll start the the actual stuff here soon. But I'm trying to have a uh, kind of an online educational site full of some blogs and uh, videos, and the podcast was a. <clears throat> I listened to a ton of podcasts during my commute, and it was an idea I had. I said, you know, why not, you know, do my own? There's a lot of good ones out there. Um, not, you know, I was trying to find some ones with, you know, from physicians and in, in the in the the space that we talk about. There's a lot of good stuff on fitness and nutrition and functional medicine. But um, anyway, so I thought it'd be a, a good thing to do to get some good materials out there. So you're one of the first people I thought of to have on. Um, okay. Well, uh, thanks for asking. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, it will be available. It's gonna be what I'm doing is gonna I'm gonna batch them and then try to uh, send out a whole bunch at once, maybe four or five or six, and then maybe do one or two a month. Um, it will be available uh, to anyone because I'm gonna put it on iTunes and you know Stitcher, etc. But um, I'm gonna start with some local marketing here in Columbus. But you know we've got to you know market out to our database. The the uh, consultants who helped me with this put this all together with my marketing. They're gonna probably launch things out to their their people too. So it'll be kind of a you know, social media, email kind of marketing, but obviously we're going to, like I said, we're going to upload it to, you know, iTunes and hopefully get it out there. It's, you know, you know, kind of spread the word, you know, about uh, preventive healthcare and everything that we do and you do and everybody else and, um, you have know, hopefully provide some, some good stories and education and maybe a few laughs along the way. So it'll be, it should be good. I'm hoping to grow it and make it a big thing. We'll see what happens. Yeah, all right. <laughs> uh, let's, uh, yeah, let's get at it. I got a got little bit of an outline, so I'll, I'll think about this. So I'll try to be uh, fluent and, Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so, uh, Excellent. Yeah, just tell me what uh, All right. How you start. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to give a, if you don't care, I, I, I was going to say, if you want to tell me by yourself, I have your, your bio right here. I was going to read it, but if you want to just tell me quickly, just your background for people listening, who you are, what you've done, how where you're at now, etc., and then we'll dive into the, the questions, I guess. Okay. Um, well, I was uh, born and raised in Columbus, uh, Ohio. Yeah, I got my, uh, my Bucket shirt on for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: State, uh, entered anesthesiology residency, uh, was chief resident, and, and briefly on staff at Ohio State as a clinical instructor. Uh, in uh, 1985, I uh, relocated out to a private practice uh, at a community hospital uh, in the uh, Pacific Northwest, uh, where I spent 27 years uh, doing clinical anesthesia uh, at a level two uh, trauma center. as a patient initially, uh, interested in what they were doing, uh, and uh, kind of fell into the position, uh, took a job
2: here, and uh, never looked back. uh, Yeah, excellent. Going into year nine here at uh, Cinegenics. Wow, nine years, okay. Always had a love of uh,
0: nutrition and exercise. Uh, uh, My background in in biochemistry and physiology, Uh, always had that uh, interest in exercise science Um, in the 90s I got certified as a uh, personal trainer just more for my own personal knowledge Um, uh, was uh, uh, always interested in in fitness I was a varsity athlete at Ohio State played lacrosse in the 70s and so it was just sort of a natural fit uh, and uh, so the practice really meshed with uh, a lot of my interests and it was a nice uh, change at the end of a career in the OR and um, and, uh, it's
2: just kind of expanded right right excellent excellent yeah so you've been with Cenogenics now you said nine years so what are your thoughts I mean I know uh, when I first met you you told me a little bit about how the company itself had changed like in terms of the I guess the old I guess age management for preventive medicine industry like uh, what's changed and where you think it's headed I mean I know when you told me when you first started there was kind of a we we're kind of just getting started there's a boilerplate kind of pattern but obviously those have changed through the years what what kind of, uh, i guess good and bad changes have you seen over the last few years and uh, where do you think where do you see this where where do you see this headed in terms of what we're doing and what you guys are doing
0: So uh, uh, he always had this love of, uh, of, uh, of uh, exercise and, and good nutrition. Um, he had uh, uh, built a, a radiology uh, company, um, sold that and so Sanogenics was kind of his new thing and it was built on the idea that you could manage and prevent aging uh, primarily through sound nutrition and exercise but he also thought that uh, the endocrine system was important and so. Some of minor interest in uh, testosterone replacement therapy. Um, Rudman had uh, published uh, some early studies on growth hormone that were right. intriguing. Uh, and uh, so uh, Alan's idea was to combine nutrition and exercise with hormone management. And, and at the beginning, uh, you know, the ideas were, were rather, uh, uh, I guess, rooted. things uh, from an endocrine standpoint. We now know that that rather simplistic approach doesn't uh, quite uh, fit the, uh, the underlying physiology, and, and I think we've grown from that. Um, there are certain hormones uh, like testosterone where uh, having uh, blood levels clinically up in the upper range of what is conventionally considered normal um, uh, perhaps is a good idea, it can be beneficial, particularly when combined with nutrition and exercise, but thyroid actually is one age um, uh, thyroid levels uh, in the higher range of normal are starting to be associated with uh, adverse outcomes, higher rates of cancer uh, heart disease um, uh, metabolic abnormalities Um, when looking at uh, for instance IGF-1 so looking at insulin uh, like growth factor one, lower IGF-1 signaling uh, seems to be associated with uh, Uh, rather than higher signaling. Uh, Looking at estrogen in women, uh, we believe that uh, estrogen replacement therapy um, is preventative for chronic disease, so uh, we think we're right on that. Uh, I think there's a a substantial body of data that can support that contention, Uh, yet we don't replicate uh, the blood levels uh, of estrogen that would be seen uh, in a younger woman who are actually lower than that. So I think each different hormone has a different and sometimes those more youthful levels uh might be appropriate uh other times uh they actually might not be appropriate so that's a, an example of how we've grown and moving away from sort of the template of, of uh, let me just have uh, high levels of hormones like i was when i
2: was younger right right yeah uh that kind of gets me thinking about you know a lot of the the like you and specifically for example the igf1 you talk about i mean i've you know, I learned that from you, and I, I've read a lot about that as well. And there seems to be a lot of schools of thought. There've obviously been a lot of good studies showing the benefits of growth hormone therapy, what it can do for visceral adiposity and you know osteoporosis, etc. But there's a lot of data about that. like you said, there was initially some concerns about IGF one and cancer, but then the the, the downstream product, the IGF binding protein, that is actually apoptotic to cancer cells, more protective. So it seems like there's some some. Interesting mixed data, but I think I, I've read a lot of what you said too. I think across the board, the one thing that's proven to be to improve longevity is, longevity is caloric restriction, and that's one of the things that kind of mimics that with having a tend to be more of a lower IGF as opposed to a higher IGF. So, um, that's true.
0: Right. Um, it can be affected by a number of things. I good mean, nutritional status can affect IGF one. Um, and at the end of the day, when I look at a serum testosterone or a serum thyroid level, um, it really doesn't tell me what's going on at the receptor level. Um, right. There, uh, particularly with, uh, for instance, thyroid, um, the thyroid function tests are, are really um, uh, inadequate in telling uh, us whether or someone. So we look for an average effect, uh, and we have a treatment sort of to address that average effect. But what that doesn't account for, uh, for people who are not uh, average. So, for instance, um, all of us didn't have testosterone levels up in the upper range of physiolo- physiologic when we were younger. We were at, up at that uh, 1,000, 1,100, 1,200 uh, range uh, of a total testosterone. And that's because there's receptor polymorphism. Your sensitivity. Um, so when we were young and when we were healthy, our body understood how much signaling from the pituitary gland, from the luteinizing hormone, to give out, to achieve uh, enough of uh, testosterone to s- flip the switch on, so to speak. So some of our switches got flipped on when our testosterone was 500 or 550. Others, we needed to be up to that 1,100 range for that switch to go uh, on. So... same thing with the thyroid function test. Um, An individual uh, will float in a range, for instance, for a thyroid stimulating hormone, that's only about 50% as large as the group range. Now, some of us float uh, at the lower, that 50% is towards the lower end. So our normal TSH may be between 0.6 and say 1.8. Others may float up at the higher end. So their normal Seven, and then some people are in the middle. Well, you don't know that because right. we don't have these historic numbers. Right. And there are a lot of confounders that can change testosterone or thyroid uh, uh, thyroid function. Tests fluctuate with uh, the seasons, right. uh, they go up and down depending on spring, summer, fall.
2: testosterone level goes down Again, right, not the right. driver of it but a biomarker of that Right, so right. these are things that are very difficult to tease out and it's why we're trying to move away from a pure numbers hey let's just hit this target yeah but
0: unfortunately most of what's out there in the age management or, or the anti-aging field is hey, it's all about a number I'm just gonna get, put you on a hormone we'll achieve a number and that's gonna fix things and it is certainly
2: yeah, I think you're right, I th- and you probably see this too. I mean, I, you know, I uh, here in Columbus, there's, you know, several of the big, you know, the quote-unquote low-T clinics and things. They're kind of, my patients even kind of refer to them as mills. You know, they just kind of get people in and out and just treat one or two things, whereas I try to explain them, like you just said, that uh, there are there's more there's more to it than that. You got to look at the, the, you know, their adrenals, your your nutrition. You have to look at the whole picture and how they all interact and everybody's different. It all comes down to, you know, treating the patient, not treating a number, you know. Absolutely. Um, Th- uh, and, uh, and hopefully we'll continue to move away from that. The other thing that, in terms of the
0: endocrinology, that's important to remember is that, uh, you know, as a field, it's really one of our more infant fields. It's right. only been around, for, uh, you know, about a hundred years, and now we're talking about a, a rather, you know, complex software that Right. to bring a, 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 a fair amount of humility uh, into it, uh, yeah. realizing uh, yeah. uh, all the things we don't know that's going on and be aware of that. And, uh, you know, we talk, I often talk in our training <laughs> course about uh, what could be called known knowns. Uh, these are things uh, we know that we know. Uh, we have unknown knowns. So we know some things.
2: Right. Right. That's what right. The, uh, age management doctor day <laughs> not, not, And that's, that's part of the problem out there. So I think we have to be uh, careful.
0: Uh, we have to be humble. We have to realize all the things that, that we may not be aware of so that we can do this correctly. And if we do so, I think
2: we can do um, a lot of good things with the hormone management. Right. What what kind of uh, challenges do you think we we though you know most of the our uh, the physicians like us are facing like I, I guess in terms of you know political big pharma things of that nature I was at a uh, uh, conference just you know not to, not to just a few months ago and he, you know the lecture was talking about that how there's a lot of things that you know gosh this as we put all this stuff in a pill it'd be it'd be all over the place but because it's not you know it's kind of poo pooed and this and that so we're up against a lot of uh, a lot of big boys I guess do you do you do you guys uh, has that been discussed at all at the meetings, or what are your thoughts on that in terms of challenges moving ahead or making, getting the word out, helping patients uh, as best we can? Well, I think, you know, uh, uh,
0: uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, you often have two opposing camps, so you, you have uh, conventional um,
2: medicine, uh, of which uh, you and I have been trained in, and practice right.
0: See everything as a a a, a big uh, pharma conspiracy uh, against what is true right. and what's right. And the, right. the truth is often in the middle. I, right. go, what I try to do in my practice is take the best of our conventional approach uh, and the best of our uh, our, our new approach um, and combine them to give uh, a personalized treatment to each one of our patients. Now my.
2: Right. Uh, and I think that the, the most important things that uh, anybody can do for their health and wellness is have a superior approach to eating mm-hmm. and a quality
0: approach to exercise. Right. And that is how we really maintain our health and wellness. Uh, those are the requisite steps. Now, admittedly, we've done a very poor job in terms of uh, conventional medicine of being able to, to do that. We've actually walked away from uh, our history um, you know, 3,000 years ago told us that that's what uh, mattered yeah Uh, he was right back then right he's still right now but we've gotten sort of uh, uh, enamored by science and technology so we we, uh, get blinded by science so to speak we ever think everything's technical and I think that that's where you know big pharma has come in and and look pharmaceutical
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the, always the cornerstones. Of course, you know, quick fix America. We always want the uh, the magic pill, which doesn't exist. But uh, they all they all they all work together. But those are those are two of the most important things: moving, eating, and sleeping. I think are the uh, the three big ones.
1: Extremely good at is producing food. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's it, it's advanced the, uh, the health and wellness of the world in, in remarkable ways Right um,
0: But uh, you know what exactly to choose and, and what to eat and how to eat it and when to eat it uh, I don't think would necessarily be uh, something that people would intuitively know how to do so they need some guidance Yep So it's no wonder that they're often confused and, and floundering out there. And, yeah. and so that's where I think uh, we can come in to give them a, a, you know, some quality advice and then some coaching support. Because at the end of the day, there are a variety of ways to eat well, and um, uh, but how to do that, how to go in and do that day in and day out needs mm-hmm. a fair amount of support and coaching. And so... understand um, not necessarily the, the, the biochemical or the physiologic science uh, of nutrition, but, but more the science of health behaviors.
2: Mm-hmm. Why do we do what we do? How can we help people do things that they believe they want to do, but right. to make them to do it easier, to do it right. better?
0: In our practice, we work hands-on, one, one-on-one with people, not only to give them a good plan, but also to help teach them how they can execute that day in and day out. Um, and, and that's a, a, a much a
2: harder thing than telling them what to do. Um, yeah. and, and, uh, and that's what we've got to get better at. Yeah, you're right. That's probably the most difficult part is... know why do people do what they do how do you get them to change you know the the key is they have to want to change and kind of figuring out what's holding them back and how to you know coax them in the right direction some people are willing to do that some people are not but that yeah that's a that's the tricky part read some and and I think one of the things
0: that you know um, I I look at at, you know what are my roles for the patient Is not only to tell them what to do um, but to um, to inspire yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, th- I think we could all say, well, if they would simply just do this, they would be fine. And perhaps that's true. But at the end of the day, if they can't seem to figure out how to do it, I need to help them figure that out. And I think that that's one of my, my jobs is to figure mm-hmm. that out as best I can uh, and show them, not just simply say, well, I gave you the information and you either did it or you didn't. I think that's the, uh, the sort of the, the Nike just-do-it Mm-hmm. Uh, approach. I, uh, at some level, sure, we all have to just do it, right? Uh, but we need some help, and, and so we need uh, not only physicians who are knowledgeable about the medicine and what to tell people, but also um, how to help coach them, um, and I think that that's where I hope that uh, we could continue to expand our knowledge base and, and move forward to learn how to do
2: that better. Have you found any particular um... For lack of better better words, like a style or any suggestions, tips on, on just on the coaching aspect, you know, obviously a lot of people come in with an agenda or they think, well, no, I eat fine. I just need a workout routine or maybe I just need this hormone or maybe I just need the supplement. But when you talk to them, obviously there's a lot of missing pieces. Do you find some people are more resistant to getting more than that? And if so, how do you kind of walk them through that like you're just talking about or any, any little, any patterns that you've seen with common of a lot of patients?
0: There's a big difference uh, between um, the tolerance for for carbohydrates, or even the tolerance for the amount of uh, sugar that might be in the diet, in one person versus the next. Um, Frankly, there are some people who are are lean and fit and thin and active and have good insulin sensitivity that can can tolerate
1: uh, table sugar, um, not to excessive levels, but it's not going to. There's nothing inherently toxic about sugar. Right. sugars like kryptonite (laughs) yeah it's a big
0: difference to that person so you know one size doesn't doesn't fit all so you know trying to tailor a plan that's specific to their own individual needs analysis is really important and I think that that's one of the the problems um, with uh, people out there uh, on the internet and writing books is they're they're writing to generic needs analysis and, and we don't all some things are more important for one person than the other, and you really, you know, want to do things that are really going to derive maximum benefit for that individual. So the designing your plan specific to the individual is really important, and that needs to be done hands on when mm-hmm. I can. I can't write a book and say everybody should eat this way, uh, if for no other reason, everybody's not going to eat the same way. Right. Uh, fortunately, they don't have to. Right. challenges. Then the other thing is that we do have to account for what comes under the heading of a hedonics liking and wanting. Yeah, and at the end yeah. of the day I've got to come up with something that my patient uh, likes uh, and wants to do well enough yes. that they'll long term. Right. Uh, otherwise that's a, a total fail to plan. There, are, uh, there was one particular study that was done it's, it's actually uh, over 10 years old. It was the A to Z trial where they compared the Atkins ornish zone Weight Watch dietary plan in a randomized controlled trial. And what they found out that all of those trials were uh, effective in having people lose weight. In other words, people could lose weight on every one of those individual dietary plans, which were radically different in design. Uh, And the only thing that uh, was uh, a a driver of what uh, the success was, were they compliant? Mm -hmm. So in other words, if they actually executed the plan, Right. Metabolically healthy. So, at the end of the day, the, the thing that really determines long term success is really compliance, mm-hmm. more so over than the specific design of the plan. It's it helps to have a good plan. But at the end of the day, it has to be one that a patient can actually execute, and that's what I mean about the coaching, right. trying to figure that out, get
2: the right fit for the right patient, and then help them execute that to where it becomes permanent behavior. So, right. Right.
0: What, what have that's you, intensive, and that's one-on-one, yeah. and it's actually
2: expensive. Yeah, yeah, and, and time-consuming, but it, that's what it takes, right? That's what, yeah, that's what it takes. Huh. What, have you found any changes in the last, even the last year or so, why patients have uh, come? I mean, obviously, you know, Synogenics is, a, is a, an elite program, uh, higher-end, and but have you seen in terms of, like, the initial impetus as to why patients are coming to see you, per se? Is there, or have you noticed is it? Kind of same reasons as before. Anything changed in the last year that you've noticed? Specific reasons? People are well, seeking. Th- you know, I think that one of the big drivers is, um, you know, people want to look good. Yeah. And so they think that, all right, hormones, that's, you know, that's going to be the answer.
0: And right. Their health um, to reduce the risk for chronic disease, Um, uh, and so they're they're perhaps a little more motivated because they do come to us and Mm -hmm. seek us out. Um, But at the end of the day, uh, they're no different than than any of us. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, You know, they 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 need some help, Um, and I get them to try to focus on performance. Mm -hmm. amount of weight, or I'd like my cholesterol or blood pressure to go down. And those outcomes are important, and, and we do want to try to, to achieve good outcomes. Um, but at the end of the day, all outcomes go to equilibrium. So if I have a patient come in and say, I want to lose 25 pounds, and so we take 25 pounds off of them, now what happens Now what? Yeah. lose any more weight, they're there, they're not changing anymore, so if, if, if losing weight was the reason I what happens now and uh, and as I said all outcomes eventually go to equilibrium they don't change anymore and the bitter pill that people have to swallow is I've got to do all this just simply to run in place mm-hmm. and that can be a, a tough thing because uh, people think oh I want to do this for a while I'll fix this and then I can go back to what I was doing well that, that's not the case so right. long term health figuring out how to uh, go in day after day and still eat A much bigger challenge
1: than the short term Mm -hmm. focus that's often what you see in the fitness industry. Like, I lose 20 pounds in 20 days. You hear that on TV all the time. Um, You know, that's not
0: going to really change anybody's health long term. It's this long game. Um, And so I try to get people to focus on performance where uh, we get a, a well designed plan from there. And their goal each day is to simply go out and try to execute that plan. As well as they can, realizing that on any given day, uh, the quality of that execution may be stellar, mm-hmm. some days it may not be stellar, but the goal is to go out and, and try to uh,
2: do as much as you can. And so that's where perfect is the enemy of the good. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, and I think sometimes it comes down to asking, you know, those, uh, what is it, that the, the seven whys or whatever, you know, well, I want to lose 25 pounds. Well, why do you want to lose 25 pounds? Well, I want to do this. Well, why do you want to do that? And then you kind of dig deep, and when you get down to that core reason, then that that may be the missing piece of the motivating factor or, or something like that. But like you said, there has to be a bigger, deeper, longer goal, I guess. Right, and, that's, and those are things that where, you know, that takes some one-on-one work, it takes mm-hmm.
0: some you know uh, major changes in their health and wellness they lose a lot of weight their blood work gets better they feel Mm -hmm. better they establish what i call proof of concept and and that's you know part a um the second phase the more important one is can i go out and do this now for the next 40 years Mm -hmm. and even patients who are radically successful with part a sometimes don't actually ever figure out how to do part b right
2: Be right right you know you quit eating wheat or, or you quit eating fat
0: or you quit eating meat or you know it's always eating sugar it's always right
2: right simple. well now you can go out and get cbd oil right that fixes everything no, right that's <laughs> really, that's so, uh, that's, right yeah hopefully right right well so switching gears a little bit what do you th- what are your thoughts on like uh, i guess uh, future future trends and directions obviously i know there's a lot of um, a lot of newer things out there in terms of you know telomere testing like peptide therapy um you know treating the gut some different things genetic engineering a lot of these things that are kind of up and coming uh, i know you mentioned before i think on an email that uh, we talked a little bit about peptides, but in terms of like telomere testing, peptides, some of these other new, for new, new things. What are your thoughts, or what are you guys, uh, how you guys looking at those? test does this help me change Mm -hmm. my treatment plan in any way right if it doesn't then i'm not sure that the test is necessary so Mm -hmm. for instance telomere testing we have an idea that telomeres uh, are 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 important Um, but uh, whether or not uh, they're
0: really more than just a biomarker of of other things uh, one of the more common reasons to have longer telomeres is you exercise yeah so are the, the, the length of the telomeres is just a biomarker of a good health habit, and that's why, you know, they may be associated with longevity, uh, because it begs the question, if I do something to lengthen my telomeres, like take a supplement that makes mm-hmm. them longer by, uh, you know, uh, increasing the activity of theromerase, well, does that really same thing as exercise because right the exercise the reason why the telomeres may be longer is because it's broadly anti-inflammatory it's doing a lot of other things that maybe just increasing the length of the telomeres doesn't really do so that would right. be more of a biomarker than, than a driver those are things we still have to, to figure out right. unfortunately um you know people will sell telomere tests direct to mm-hmm. the public and say oh this is important most of the time when you do a telomere test Most likely, it's going to say it's normal because what's considered normal is a broad range. It's the median.
1: And so I don't know if it really informs somebody to really do anything different. So that's not a test that I particularly recommend. Mm -hmm. If my patients wants to know their telomere
0: length, we'll do it. Uh, The same thing with some of the genetic testing. There are instances where knowing a genetic polymorphism would would guide therapy. But to go out and and measure four hundred single nucleotide polymorphisms that will come back and they'll say one's associated with a slightly higher risk of prostate cancer and then two more, a lower risk, and and you have four or five of them. At the end of the day, does that really tell you anything specific? Most of the time, it's not. So I'm not sure that those testing is really – it's more infomania. It's information for information's sake. And so I wouldn't have a lot of my patients necessarily – Uh, look into that, unless we were looking at a specific uh, genetic test that would tell us, okay, we want to do A rather than B. Mm -hmm. Uh, In terms of some of the the newer therapies, like the peptides that uh, uh, may cause release of of growth hormone, increase of IGF-1, I think that they can have targeted um, uh, applications, and they can certainly, we can certainly use these in, um, as, as a pharmacologic effect. So, for instance, I can hormone and give it to a patient and use it as, in, in a um, pharmacologic dosing so, uh, you know like a body border right and, and yes you could lose you know body fat it might help you gain muscle particularly if you're eating and exercise in a way but whether or not that to create that effect would actually be good for overall health is a different thing so these are those are things we're going to have to try to figure out mm-hmm. uh, and, and what might be appropriate at, at one stage of life versus another could be entirely different right Um, right so uh you know having uh, higher levels of these anabolic hormones when you're younger you know could be beneficial and part of naturally how we're built (laughs) whereas at a certain age they naturally may be accelerating um uh you know uh, pro-inflammatory responses in the body yeah so uh, it always depends on the context of the individual so and that's where we, we Unfortunately, there's a lot of sale out there just telling people, hey, you know, if, if you take this uh, growth hormone, you take this peptide, you you might lose some body fat, you'll gain some muscle, and of course, that sounds like, well, what's wrong with that?
2: Well, it's, it's the unknown unknowns. Right, right. And, and so,
0: This is important. Uh, but
2: that's gonna take some time. Yeah, I think you're right. It's it's a, it's new and you know, time will tell. It's a, you know, kinda of similar to um, other things we've been learning about too. Like I've, I mean I always hear about a lot of guys who are on say testosterone and they're au- they're automatically given you know an and they've been on it forever and ever and where the studies clearly show if you're on you know, detrimental effects on bone and heart, et cetera, whereas it it, it has its place. I think it you know, targeted very short term. Um, but not indefinitely and for everybody kind of same with the peptides maybe use it for a few months to help shed some body fat but then you kind of taper it off especially if they're older you know who knows we'll, time will tell yeah and, 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 I, and I think
0: that that's where you know the quality of the practitioner who's, who's given them I mean you you know you we don't want to run away from, from the science so I think that you know if, if someone who's doing hormone management um, uh, you know they uh, hopefully they just have a Read a, a blog or two and said, "Hey, I'm going to start giving hormones to people." Mm-hmm. And they, they go in, they bury themselves in the endocrine literature. They understand what we know. Uh, more importantly, they understand all the things we don't know, so that they can, you know, uh, do this in a quality way. And I think that that can be done. Um, I, I think it's something that we do at SemageneX. It's certainly what we strive to do. Um, and every day I come in and ask myself, "Is there something new?" Uh, in the literature um, that, uh, that uh, should cause me to change what I'm doing. So I'm, I'm open to empirical evidence. I, I, I'm looking to say what's new, uh, what should be different,
2: but I bring a, a healthy dose of skepticism to mm-hmm. every quick fix that's, uh, that's yeah. thrown out there. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, you see a lot of that. I mean, I know we and I talked about some of these things before and, like, you know, another good example nowadays, you hear so many more people on metformin, which again, has its place, although I, I've encountered a lot of people who don't have diabetes or pre-diabetic, they're just taking it because it supposedly has longevity effects and, you know, helps you live longer and anti-cancer and all these things, and again, the other people have said, well, maybe, maybe not, you know, who knows, you know, once again, time will tell. Um, I think one of the big problems is that people tend to leap from, you know, a single mice study mm-hmm. right Right. and I, that is a huge
0: canyon to jump over and I think that, that you've got to really be careful mm-hmm. um, I tend to look at, at um, uh, the, the animal studies as sort of give me an idea of what might be going on and then, so they bring up the question Okay, what does this mean but I um, um, uh, virtually never will take data from a, an animal study that as a as an excuse to start doing something in humans. Th- I want to see human studies, uh, and so and that's frequently um, what uh, what is out there. And the media loves to talk about uh, animal studies. and yeah. Oh, like this means oh, we, everybody should start doing this. Right. And uh, it, it's a really an unfortunate
2: thing. And so um, I I don't ever um, you know leap uh, from there right into what I'm doing in my patients. Right. I'm studies on, on humans yep absolutely absolutely what's uh what's next on the horizon for yourself personally as well as for uh Cynogenics? any any new uh any big plans uh, structurally strategically or uh, m- medicinally speaking over the next few months or well i think uh
0: you know personally i'm, I'm enjoying my practice here in las vegas i uh, you know uh, i was talking to one of my patients uh, today who's a cardiologist Short of his 80th birthday, and he's still working at uh, USC. <laughs> uh,
1: and I told him, I said, "Well, you know, I hope I'm sitting in this office still uh, 15 years from now, and <laughs> yeah. about his age. Uh, I'd like to be doing. I enjoy the clinical work. Um, I think what we're doing is important. Um, uh,
0: I enjoy the uh, the physician training that I do as director of uh, uh, of education for, uh, for the clinic, and uh, hope to continue that." In some way um, to uh, the body of knowledge surrounding uh, this is one of the reasons why I uh, uh, wrote the textbook on mm-hmm. right. several years ago, uh, we're proud of that. And, uh, perhaps we'll, uh, we'll do a revision and add to it uh, moving yeah. forward. But uh, right now, uh, just uh, one patient at a time trying to help people change their lives. And uh, uh, as far as the, the clinic goes, Expand and uh, reach more people, um, and uh, and again, uh, collectively contribute to the knowledge base. One of the things I think that that we have that is unique is that uh, we've been doing this for 20 years, and there are uh, uh, certain my own personal patients that I'm into my ninth year where I've been hands on taking care of them. But I also have some patients who have transferred into my uh, practice that have been uh, with the clinic for nearly 20 years. Oh, wow. And so. changed from uh, nine years ago when I first started and uh, just looking at the short term well now I've got a a long-term perspective and it has sort of changed what I think is important and what I try to focus on um, and uh, and hopefully we'll continue to contribute to that 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 idea of what it's like to manage somebody over uh, five ten fifteen years and all the challenges that come with that as a patient evolves right and as their needs analysis evolves and how we change with
2: them to help them adapt to that. yeah excellent excellent yeah i'll put a on my on my site i'll have a link for your book i have got uh got got one of them right here so uh, there it is um uh, read through it many uh, times but yeah i'll put some uh some things in the show notes about what looks to, uh, uh books you know i know you had the one for the physicians you had another one for uh the layperson too so um it's, it's kind of a little bit uh, less uh, intensive uh, in the uh, yeah <laughs> in the, in the science, right, uh, right. And the chemistry. Um, you know, a couple of um,
0: you would uh, uh, asked if uh, there were other, um, you know, uh, sites or things that I, I particularly like. Um, we um, uh, have often, uh, my patients who are interested
2: in, in looking at blogs or things, I one of the sites that I, I think is pretty good is Mark's Daily Apple. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, I'm familiar says, with uh, that. Sissons, Mark the, the Sisson. Prime
0: is the uh, Whole30 diet uh, website. Uh, We like that. Um, For uh, physicians who are interested in um, uh, learning more about um, nutritional science um, uh, and particularly the coaching aspects, um, I recommend uh, Precision Nutrition, uh, which is a a company uh, by John Bernardi, who's a uh, PhD at CSCS, they do a certification course for,
1: for trainers uh, in nutrition yeah. or physicians. So my team and I, we've done that. I think that they're excellent.
0: They're, uh, their approach is very much on target with what I believe. I think that's a quality
2: site. And they do good work. I was going to ask you about that because I'm actually doing their uh, their level one certification right now myself, and I've recommended their coaching program to a lot of patients. I like it. It's very well balanced, I think. <laughs> kind of yeah, that's uh, funny. Both, uh, what we do uh, technically
0: and uh, philosophically. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, that's the, that's a, a quality outfit. Um, the other um, website that, uh, that I use a lot personally and I think is really well done on terms of uh, looking at uh, supplements and things like that is examine.com. Mm-hmm. Yep. So if a physician or even a patient wanted to go and say, "Hey, what's the data on you know this particular supplement?" Right. And, um, it's most of it's free, and uh, they uh, they do blogging and newsletters and most of these things. So there's a a wealth of quality information in, in like these four sites that I think people could get that would be, you know, well done, legitimate stuff. So hopefully we'll get more of that, mm-hmm. uh, but it can be hard for, for patients,
2: uh, physicians, uh, you know, personal trainers to figure out, well, you know, what's legit and what's quality and not. Right. Absolutely. Um, good. Well, I, I know we've uh, been on for a little bit. I don't want to take up your whole evening, but a couple of quick rapid fires and then I'll let you go. Um, any any real quick, um, simple, actionable tips, uh, high, high impact tips for, for anybody listening, any patients who've never heard of you guys or been to talk to me, talk to you in terms of... And anything, sleep, nutrition, fitness, anything, any kind of quick uh, quick tips? Uh...
0: Yeah, I, I would say that the, the, one of the concepts that most people should uh, realize, because weight loss is, or fat loss is what uh, you know, the vast majority of people at least first get interested in, um, regardless of what anybody tells you, you have to be in a caloric
2: deficit mm-hmm. to lose fat. Yeah. Um, end of story. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: Achieve weight loss, you have to be a caloric deficit. Yeah. Um, calories matter. Unfortunately, you
2: can't count them very well. Yeah. And you can't, uh, you, you can't uh, count how many you expend very well. So that's the, the caveat. Yes. Uh, that would be
0: the one thing I would, I would try <laughs> to, get people to understand. Right. Uh, uh, you have to you have to take in less than you expend. You
2: want to lose this is true. This is true. How about any uh, any good books you've read, uh, medical or non medical, fiction, non fiction, anything, business really, non business? Any any good books you've read lately? you Recommend? Oh, um, I spent so much time reading papers. That <laughs> I haven't had. I don't know the last time I. Uh, uh, Jcem, right? Yeah. Read anything? Yet. It's all, it's all top and, uh, Yeah. You kind of uh, have but, to. Uh, no, up there. Well, being the educator that you are, you you kind of have to 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 do that most of the time. So. Um, how about I it? Enjoy it. It's it so it's okay. Any good stories for me? Any good any any tall tales, oopses, uh, anything like that? Uh, well, probably the most significant oops I had is when I tumbled off my, <laughs> and broke my hip. right, so right.
0: Exercise stimulus. Um, I had to cut my calories in significantly during the time mm. I was uh, rehabbing, right. uh, if, not to gain a whole lot of weight. Fortunately, I was able to do that uh, successfully. Um, but uh, you know, everything that goes on in our patient's life is relevant to their ability to execute their plan on any given day, and that's that's fluid, and it's dynamic, and it's constantly changing. So learning how to to uh, uh, to adapt those changing conditions is, is a skill set that uh, I, I try to help my patients learn how to do because we're never static um, even as even if not much happens to us uh, as we get older our plan will have to evolve to uh, to adapt to
2: the needs though yep uh, but uh, hopefully I won't fall again <laughs> hopefully not that'll be the last you one to right the, the jumping the horses so that's, uh, that's <laughs> Well, you know, you take good care of yourself. You do all the, you practice what you preach, and that's probably why you bounce back so quick. So, uh, hopefully, no more falls. I do my best, yeah. Excellent. Well, good. Well, I uh, appreciate all your time, Jeff, and the insights. It was a, that was a great, that was a great talk, and I'm sure everybody will will appreciate your pearls of wisdom and your. And I definitely appreciate the practical, long term approach you have. I think that's that's very telling and uh, full of wisdom. So, thank you. Uh, you're very welcome, Eric. Always a pleasure. Talk to you later. All right, take care, Jeff. Talk to you later. All right, right bye bye.